Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. I'm your host, Carly McBride, Content Communications Manager. Before we get started, make sure you're subscribed to Order Up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform so you catch all our latest releases right in your podcast feed. Today, we're bringing you part two of President and CEO Michelle Korsmo's discussions with industry leaders. In our last episode, Michelle spoke with Golden Corral Corporation CEO and Association Board Chair and President Lance Trinari. If you missed that interview, we'll be sure to link it in today's show notes so you can listen. In today's episode, we're talking about workforce, specifically what you can do to attract and retain talent for all positions in your restaurant. Joining us are two fantastic guests with a proven track record of success in this area. First joining us is Roz Mallet. She is president and CEO of Phase Next Hospitality. Roz brings a wealth of industry knowledge specific to human resources. Her prior roles include Senior Vice President of HR for Applebee's and TGI Fridays, COO of La Madeline Bistro and Cafe, and President and Interim CEO of Caribou Coffee. Roz is also a prior chair of the National Restaurant Association Board and was named the 2022 Legends Award winner for her service to both the Association and Educational Foundation. Also joining us today is Chef Keisha Hunter. Chef Keisha is a Chicago native who found career direction through the National Restaurant Association Educational Foundation's Pro Start program and mentorship from her chef instructor. She also worked as a culinary arts instructor training hospitality employees. Now, Chef Keisha is a supporter of the HOPES program in Chicago with a passion for supporting underserved communities. She is also the founder of her own nonprofit called Rise Above the Ordinary. Roz and Chef Keisha, we're absolutely thrilled to welcome you both to the podcast today. So let's go ahead and get started. Michelle, I will hand it over to you. Thank you so much, Carly. I am thrilled to be here taking over the hosting duties uh, in this series. It's really fun to be able to guest host this program as a way of talking about the fabulous programs that we have at the National Restaurant Association and the National Restaurant Association Educational Foundation, things that I want to bring attention to. And what a great way to do that with fabulous guests. Today, our two guests are amazing rock stars, and I know that I'm going to enjoy this conversation, and I hope all of our listeners do too. I suspect I will learn a lot and have a few laughs. So Chef Keisha and Roz, thank you so much for joining us. Roz, I'm going to chat with you first. If we could, you are a well-known and inspirational leader in the restaurant industry. I enjoy so much talking with you about your perspective on the challenges facing the industry because you bring so much expertise and knowledge to problem solving, and it's um, fun to see that process work with you. I also think that we've figured out that while you were in leadership at TGI Fridays, it was after I was a server at TGI Fridays <laughs> since I was there when the servers were still called Dub Dubs, an old British moniker that I think you rightfully sunsetted with lots of other phrases that should remain in history. So for everybody that's working at TGI Fridays as a server now, be thankful that you're not called a dub-dub and think of <laughs> Roz Mallet. 
So, Roz, I would love to have you introduce yourself to our audience, talk a little bit about your background, but can you also share something that people may be surprised to know about you and your storied career or something that you've learned along the way that's still meaningful to you? Thanks, Michelle. It's a thrill to be here with you guys. I am always passionate about talking about our industry. Uh, I started in the industry as a... um, as a cashier, geez, I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but just say that it was a really long time ago. <laughs> um, I would tell you that I'll go to the thing that surpri- might surprise you, and then I'll come back to fill in a little bit of the background. I am the only girl in my family, and I am still, well into my career, pretty shy. And I make a living by giving speeches or in today's world, uh, doing podcasts. Uh, I I never turned on an opportunity to speak at a university. But I find myself still feeling a bit introspective about how I present. Because as I grew up as the only girl in my family, I grew up in a time where I had to be very aware of who I was. And what that means is I am often the only person that looks like me. I bring that up because the world is never easy, no matter who you are, what your background is. But I can tell you that my shyness is something that allows me to be introspective while pushing myself forward. I am always on stage. It's the Disney way, if you know anything about the history of how hospitality evolves. My background is a recovering corporate geek. And that means that I spent the majority of my career, starting with summer jobs, uh, working for a chain of restaurants in Texas to Applebee's and La Madeleine, as was discussed, and TGI Friday, some of the largest casual dining brands. I also ran human resources for Carlson Companies, which is the owner of Radisson Hotels, etc. And from corporate geek for about... 30 years, 25 of which was human resources, and then back into being a chief operating officer. After that, I became an entrepreneur. And one of the things that became very comfortable for me as an entrepreneur is my personality could be a part of creating my own world. Now, I did that a little bit because I wanted to do something on my own. I literally wanted to create a company culture that I could have a total influence over, never control, total influence over, and find my way to make it a special place to be. And that's what I've been doing for the last 11 years. That's fascinating and interesting to hear you talk about being shy when you are such a leader and people think of you as a leader. And I think for those people who are listening and think of themselves as shy, it's a good example of how just because you're shy or you tend to be more introverted doesn't mean that you don't have a future as a leader. Uh, and that's one of the things I like about you know being around you, Roz, is that you really are able to inspire people to be who they are in their leadership positions. Well, if you don't mind, Michelle, I'll just make one more comment. Please. I love being a role model. And for me, that means that no matter what your background is, no matter, what your, no matter what your personality is, you can find your way to be successful in a career in this industry because this industry allows you to be who you can be. 
And I've been lucky enough to have the mentoring part that has also helped me, but we'll talk about that later. Oh, that's so great. And I think it just dovetails nicely into why you and Chef Keisha are perfect pair for today. Because Chef Keisha, you've really brought your full self to your work and your career and that space where you have not only built your life, but inspired others. You inspire me uh, on a regular basis. I love to tell your story because it is so wonderful and it helps people connect with all of the possibilities that exist in this industry. Can you tell us a little bit more about that story and where that success came from for you? Um, well, first, thank you, Michelle. <laughs> I'm glad to be an inspiration and I thank you for having me today. Um, I'm a mother of three sons. One of them is my bonus son and I'm the second oldest of eight children. So I come from a pretty big family and I'm very active in my community and my church where I'm an ordained elder at the Powerhouse Chicago and I serve as a vision pastor there. So I get to work with young people. I get to work with the children. You know, I get to work with the young adults. Um, this is the area in which I love working in. And earlier this year, I graduated from Trinity International University with my master's in urban ministry. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Coming back, right back where I want to be planted. And I've, I've worked in the hospitality and culinary industry for almost 30 years now, and I'm only 44. So um, spending the bulk of my career with entertainment cruises downtown Chicago, Odyssey Cruises, Mystic Blue Cruises, and then on to teaching at Chicago public schools as culinary arts teacher using ProSAR, which we'll talk about later, um, and then a higher McCormick place as an executive steward. So I've progressed in this industry where I'm able to still come back and bring in those youth, bring in those inner city communities and bring them and train them to be able to prepare them for the work industry in the culinary arts. And my first encounter with cooking, which is my background, I started cooking when I was eight years old in my grandmother's kitchen when I would come over on a weekend or in the summertime. And she teach me different things to cook and help prepare dinner for later on when I just want to relax and sleep in like everybody else. But the skills that she taught me, had I known that soon after it will resurface it will resurface where I now have to cook for family members and, and different communities and cooking 30 years later. Mm -hmm. I didn't really like cooking. <laughs> I didn't really what? like cooking, but it was something that my grandmother, you know, instilled in me. And I'm grateful to this day for it because now professionally with cooking, I started in 1993 in Inglewood High School where I found myself making a permanent decision in what was supposed to be a temporary situation. See, I was a gang leader. I had no intentions on leaving my gang, had no intentions on leaving, had no intentions on being a part of culinary arts, which was my temporary situation at, at Inglewood at that time. We had to choose a career and culinary arts. Okay, I know how to cook. I'll go there. This is just temporary. I'll change it, you know, um, somewhere down the line. But I remember when I was about to go get into some trouble what? and uh, my culinary teacher got wind of it 
And as soon as I was passing her classroom, she dodges out the door, grabbed my arm and stopped me in my tracks and said, hey, on this day, you're going to choose cooking or you're going to choose your gang. Which one is it going to be? I chose cooking and I'm still cooking 30 years later. I'm so happy that I chose this. What was her name? Darlene Austin. Darlene Austin, she pulled me and she imparted in me all that she had. And now I've been feeding and serving people all over. Wow. And if Darlene Austin hadn't reached out to you then? I, yeah. Darlene Austin made that. Heaven sent. Yes, absolutely. And that was her first year teaching. That was her first year teaching Chicago Public Schools. So I was a freshman and so was she. <laughs> <laughs> I asked her later on, I said, how did you feel saying that to me? I'm a gang leader. How did yeah. you feel? She said, I was terrified. But I'm glad she she definitely followed her heart and, and, and decided to pull me and, and impart into me. And from there, blossomed in every area of my life. In every area, for sure, for sure. And think about, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about how much you give back, but think about how that one action by that teacher allowed your life to change and how many lives you've changed because of it. I mean, what a what a wonderful thing. And when I talk about your inspiring story, Keisha, that's <laughs> what I'm talking about. It's so, so fantastic. You know, and there's a lot of inspiring stories like that at the National Restaurant Association, especially with the work that we do through the Educational Foundation. And Roz, you've been a leader at the Educational Foundation for years, along with your time leading at the association. But tell us about a couple of the big programs that Chef Keisha has been talking about that I think are really making a difference that the foundation's leading. The Pro Start program was one that she mentioned, and the HOPES program is another program that we're doing in the foundation that's making a big difference. Talk about that a little bit, if you would, Ross. So I've been involved with the National Restaurant Association and Educational Foundation for 20 plus years. And I've had an opportunity to watch ProStart grow from something that was a great inspirational idea to something that has been able to broaden and impact people in multiple backgrounds. And that was always an opportunity the first several years that I was involved. ProStart was amazing. And we were in multiple schools in most states. But it required what became a bit of a narrow background. And what I mean by that is you had to be at a certain school that could afford the program, et cetera. But I've had the opportunity to attend the ProStart programs over the years. There is nothing more exciting than the 17 and 18 year olds learning how to be involved in our industry. Mm -hmm. The gratification that they feel when they're successful in either management or on the cooking side, it's just, it's amazing. It's a creative outlet. It's a way for them to find mentors in not just their teachers, but also in the industry. So that program and the scholarships that they earn, I always recommend. Whenever I'm speaking, I always recommend ProStart as a way of getting people to try our industry. People that maybe don't know, you know, Keisha said she didn't like cooking. Maybe there are, there are students out there that don't know how to get into something and that, that that's there. But hopes is another great opportunity to bring people 
that maybe never think about us as a way and a path. And hopes helps people that need a little bit extra help. Did you know? The National Restaurant Association produces and hosts several webinars each month to serve and grow the industry. Topics ranging from hiring and workforce, food safety, and the most urgent and relevant policy topics during this turbulent time for restaurants. All previous webinars are also available for on-demand viewing. To learn more about upcoming and recorded webinars, please visit restaurant.org slash events slash learning. That's restaurant.org slash events slash learning. Let's take a moment, Roz, to explain um, to all of our listeners in case they don't know about the HOPES program, which is designed for people that have been or are involved with the justice system. And this program works with the National Restaurant Association's Educational Foundation, the state associations and foundations, and then local community-based organizations that are connecting with those people involved in the justice system. And it's a way for them to understand that they have a future and an opportunity in the restaurant industry. Um, It goes through and develops training. They'll do food handler training or basic knife skills, all of the trainings that we'll offer for anybody just working to get into the program with Serve Safe. And then those certifications and the partnerships with the local associations and the community-based organizations will get people a job. And for so many people, that's contingent often on their release is that they have a job. Not to mention, how much better must it feel to come out into a community where you have a place to be and people who are excited to see you and want you to be there? Well, you know, for me, uh, having been involved in this, but able to watch that part of the success is wonderful because I actually was talking about Keisha yesterday. I was in a, a board meeting for a volunteer group called No Kid Hungry. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about poverty and kids. And Keisha, I mentioned your background and what you're doing for people to give them that second chance. And wow. everybody benefits from people <laughs> like Keisha or or even myself kind of taking that chance because I, you know, I was going to be a school teacher. You know, if if we do this to the benefit of of our communities, that's the way it's supposed to be. And then one other thing, Michelle, that you didn't really ask about, but we've spent time over the years with the Educational Foundation, also creating relationship with military. Yes. Because military members, uh, you know, they retire fairly early if they're lifers or they spend their four or eight years and they want and need something to do. And we have found a way to create some training and allow them to choose us for a leadership position. Right. We know they've got a lot of discipline. We know they understand working within organizations. And that's been something that has evolved over the years as well. And it meets lots of our dreams to have the Educational Foundation be able to involve people from so many backgrounds. And I think it's also, again, for people that are in those spaces where they're not sure what to do or where to go, if it's your, you know, your status as a student. And I I don't know, I remember my mother, she probably hate for me to say this, but I always say the worst advice she ever gave me is you can be anything you want. Like, well, okay, but what's that? 
you know, you have to start somewhere and do something. And, you know, the Pro Start program helps people learn what that would be like. Either the culinary arts or the management track are great ways for students to try to understand what this life and this profession can look like. And it helps people, again, those in the justice system that can connect with the HOPES program, helps them see a place where they can be in the military professionals for them to find a place where they can build a future after the military. You know, we do a award ceremony with all of the branches and it's wonderful to think about what amazing things those food service professionals in the military do just to keep everybody happy and fed and providing really good food. And people don't take the time to thank them, right? We always think about the flashy, you know, guys flying the, gals flying the jets or the Marines that are out there in front uh, or the soldiers that are guarding dangerous situations that are certainly visible and sometimes invisible, but nobody ever talks about how none of that would happen without the food service without the military food service. And it's, it's wonderful to be able to celebrate those individuals as well as tell them we're so excited for you to come into the industry once you're out of the military. Mm-hmm. Chef Keisha, when you were talking about your pro start experience and obviously with Miss Adams um, saying you're going to choose, you know, I was thinking about what you thought your future was like as a gang leader versus what you thought your future was like in culinary Can you talk a little bit about your experience with the Pro Start program itself and how that really shaped you? Definitely. Um, According to Chicago Sun-Times, they didn't expect me as a young gang leader to live past 18. So to to have accomplished (laughs) that and then more, it says it for itself. And um, after choosing to stay with cooking and making this decision to finish what I started in culinary, the curriculum I instructed used was ProStart. Mm-hmm. And it was introduced to our class, come to find out, but they did not adopt our school. However, we learned so much through it. She kept teaching it. She kept teaching the ProStart. And in this learning of ProStart, which I call it the ProStart way, <laughs> the pro start <laughs> way of learning after four years of learning from that curriculum and especially in the hospitality side of things once working in the industry i found that 100 percent 100 percent of that learning that i received in that classroom through pro start i was now applying it and living it wow pro start was my roadmap. I I would not just say anything just to be saying it. It was my roadmap that I followed its directions on what to do, how to treat customers, what hospitality looks like, how professionalism should look, management, having good attitude and how to work as a team. This may sound basic to some, but it was my foundation to succeeding in the work world and in life. How you treat people is important, it's rewarding, and most importantly for me, it was fulfilling. Yeah. It was fulfilling. And and ProStart is a whole entire vibe by itself. It's a class by itself. After all the curriculums that I had to go through and try to choose to see which one works best, whether it was CCAP, whether it was ProStart, careers of learning, I found that that curriculum has really helped me through various positions. It helped me soar much easier. 
I refer back to them even until Sucha sent me new books. I have books from 19. (laughs) (laughs) That's saying enough. If you said 19, I think we've got it, right? Just that beginning is enough. (laughs) Yes. I've I've always used them through college. I won a scholarship through culinary to go to college, Lexington College. And I competed in a cooking competition and won a scholarship and um, still referring back to the Pro Star curriculum. And then, as I said, I was soaring through positions in, let's say, the when I was working on um, entertainment cruises, the Odyssey cruises, I started out as a hostess. And then six months later, I'm a floor manager. Three months after that, I'm assistant manager, restaurant manager. So, and always having to go back and refer back to okay how would I train the newcomers because now I'm over training the hospitality system or they had a fantastic hospitality system that I apply to my life today and then on to the executive steward of Hyatt Regency McCormick I became the um, executive steward there and then now owning my own business that jerk spot the restaurant so ProStar gives everyday workforce tools to use and succeed in the cooking and hospitality industry hands down they are the best And it's so funny you talk about basics, right? Basics doesn't mean that it's stuff everybody already knew. Right. It means it's the stuff you have to learn in order to get to the next level. Absolutely. Somebody's got to teach you. And if ProStart can be the place to teach people that, you know, that's the foundation. Everything grows from there. It's fantastic. And that goes to, you know, one of the things that we talk about, it seems all the time in the industry is what's happening with the workforce, because we're so eager for more people to join this workforce and to see how fulfilling a life can be in the restaurant industry. And Roz, you've done so much of this in your career because you've got a strong background um, leading organizations through their human resources departments. Can you talk about what the best practices are right now for employee recruitment and retention? Is there anything different that you're seeing in today's solutions versus other things um, that we've done in the industry? I would tell you that the first part of the answer is that what we thought we always knew. Mm-hmm isn't nearly effective enough post-COVID. And I've been on more committees than I can name, really, that are are put together to think about the new way of looking at things. And we don't know yet what's true about what our potential workforce would want from us because we just still have so many unfilled jobs. What we do know is that we have gotten trend information from the workforce that was there prior to COVID and during the pandemic. And they talked to us about the things that we need to look at, like our, our, our previous schedule policies and you know, having people work three hours and taking a split and coming back or having people work in the kitchen for nine hours. That's hard work. So, you know, scheduling has come up as one of those things that a lot of people say they didn't like about our industry prior to the pandemic, Mm -hmm. and they want us to figure out how to deal with that. But then there's much more pressure today. There's much more pressure to deal with the consumer. Um, You know, every quarter it gets a little bit better, if you will, more predictable as more and more people have gotten past that vaccination stage, are willing to come back. But here's some things that we still have to deal with. Daycare is a huge issue. Yeah. 
And I operate some restaurants, own and operate some restaurants in a couple of airports. There's been a lot of conversation about building childcare centers. You know, Atlanta Airport is the busiest airport in the world. They've not committed to doing this, but we're doing research around whether we should be building a childcare center for the employees of Atlanta Airport. They have over 40,000 employees that work in that airport. Right. And we're competing with that workforce need outside of an airport. We have additional security issues for folks to get through, et cetera. So that's one very clear example of knowing that we've got to look at people's life needs even more closely than we did before the pandemic. Right. The other component of this is we've really had to change the way we do interviews. We're doing interviews more quickly. We're setting up training and orientation very quickly. You literally can get a resume from somebody for an hourly employee on Indeed or one of the other social platforms. And within an hour, they've got two or three job offers. Wow. And so we've got to be more nimble and to some degree more flexible in how we hire. But the conversations that I keep having with my teams is that doesn't mean you change or lower your standards. We still ultimately need to have long-term team members that want to be here. We have to acknowledge that there was such a shakeup in what people were expecting from the workplace before and now that sometimes we literally have to let people try us out. You know, we're not just recruiting the way we always did, but we have to let them try us out. I'm about to open a new restaurant in an airport. And I just had a conversation with my vice president of operations about how he was setting up the orientation for 60 employees. And I said, so where are you having it? How are you handling it? And are you getting them badged between now and then? 40 are already hired. And he said, oh, no, we're not going to start badging. I said, well, wait a minute. That takes time. He said, no, we have to make sure they're going to show up because Literally over 50% of the people who accept jobs with us now don't show up. So first we have to make sure that they are interested enough to show up because we've made a job offer. We don't start training for a week. And again, they can have other jobs. Right. And for everybody who's uh, listening and following along, Chef Keisha is nodding uh, pretty aggressively about that too. You know, and it's tempting to try to cut corners in this type of situation. But what we have found is that our turnover is very high if we don't keep the standard piece. And our managers have to be very cognizant that when someone shows up for orientation, you literally have to get the paperwork signed and start their training in 24 to 36 hours. You can't wait to the next Monday where we only do training on Monday. There are things that we used to do for convenience as restaurant managers, that now we have to say there's almost an equal footing with our new team members where we've got to keep them interested. We have got to keep selling them until they see that we have a great culture for them to work in. That's been one of the biggest changes. Right. You know, it's interesting as you say that. I was actually thinking when, you know, we've been talking today about how much fun this is, right? How much fun it is to work in the restaurant industry. And I remember having a great time with my friends at TGI Fridays and the people I worked with. And I loved um, making the schedule work so that I could work with my friends. 
uh, which always made it more interesting. And I think that that's something that we have to remember that we lead with, because I think that helps keep those employees is um, remembering the fun in the business. Because as you said, Roz, sometimes customers are coming in with all kinds of things that are stressing them out and making them angry. And we're the space where they can calm down and relax. And sometimes that means that the stress comes out, which is tough. And our hospitality professionals manage that and they do a nice job, but that may mean it's a little less fun on some of those days. And so we have to embrace what that fun looks like. I think that's a a big part of this business. I think the other thing that is changing that I would love for us to spend a little time talking about is how important it is to really get to know the team and get to know the people you're working with and understand and care about what's going on in their lives. Um, Chef Keisha, you do such a nice job with your nonprofit Rise Above the Ordinary to provide mentoring uh, as well as culinary training. And I'm guessing you spend a lot of time getting to know the people that you're mentoring because uh, it matters, right? All of that means a lot. Can you talk about your nonprofit Rise Above the Ordinary? Yes, you're absolutely right. Um, we have to have a connection to make this work. Uh, working on the food trailer is a small space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we don't have time for um, a lot of little things. We have work to do. <laughs> um, Rise Above the Ordinary came from when I was in sixth grade. I never forget it. I was in sixth grade and a couple of teachers of mine were arguing about me and because I was I was a gang member early in life um, and they were talking and it some was arguing but there was only one teacher that was really on my defense and of course next thing you know Keisha running through getting ready to get into some trouble <laughs> and again grabs me and looks at me and you can hear what's going on but I didn't think they was talking about me so and she grabbed she said I just went to bat for you and you know what I'm going to do for you I'm going to decree and declare in your life that you will be better than what you're showing people that you will be the one to rise above the ordinary beautiful so I've been using that in life ever since whenever a challenge comes I think I can't get over it I remind myself that I'm not that I'm I can rise above this. There's nothing I cannot do. And that, and even when 2011, when I started my catering business, it was Heaven's Manor Catering. And then um, Jerk became very popular all of a sudden in 2011. It was, people were building Jerk restaurants everywhere. So around this time, the majority of the food I tasted, I didn't like. So I started creating my own. And before you know it, I created my own jerk food, my own jerk sauce. And to the point where family members are now requiring it in order to come over. (laughs) (laughs) Before they come and eat, what's on the menu? Is it jerk? Is your sauce going to be there? And that went to selling tacos 200 a day. Wow. Over 200 tacos out of my home a day then adding to the menu and selling out daily and and from that came that jerk spot and then when i created that and that jerk spots a food truck yes but it was a brick and mortar first i was brick and mortar first yes and there's a couple of schools around the area that i was in and what i would do to draw in the kids um because i want to get back that's why i placed myself in the inner city to be able to help those like people have helped me and i 
purposely put in a candy store and that would draw the kids in and then i challenged them hey if you bring me good report cards at the end of the week or grades at the end of the week um, i would post it up on this wall where people can come in and wish you good luck and congratulations and even with the report cards you could get a free meal um, of your choice and what this did this challenged the students to commit themselves to rise above challenges and some definitely rose to the occasion and that's how Rise Above the Ordinary came about. And and it, 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 some kids need a challenge. Yep. Some people need to be challenged. Yep. When I was challenged, I rose to the occasion. So sometimes it takes that challenge. And that's what nobody would ever thought I'd be having. I would have yeah. three degrees right now. I have three degrees under my belt. Someone who wasn't even supposed to make it past high school. So I want the kids to know the young people to know, the young adults to know, no matter what your challenges are, as Ra said, that does not stop anything. There's always someone else worse off than you. And I, I love how you continue to put it out there and be that person for those kids in the same way that there were so many teachers and others who were that person for you. Right. And I think it's a, that's the inspiration that I think we all need to follow. That means a lot. Um, Absolutely. And when I was teaching at Westinghouse High School and working on Odyssey Cruises, I hired students. I trained them through ProScar and I hired them. I hired some of their parents nice. who worked years, like 10 years or more in that industry. So it's, it's about reaching one. When you reach one, you win. In. If you reach more, you excel. <laughs> <laughs> and you're doing it and you're doing it. Plus, uh, I was looking on your uh, that jerk spot website and you've got a great Facebook page and that jerk pie <laughs> looks amazing. I'm the only one who has a jerk pie, by the way. Oh, it's <laughs> I beautiful. try to create things people other restaurants don't have because there's so many here. And I just try to create something different that not everybody can go and get at a restaurant up the street. You have to come to me to get it. Well, that's great. You guys both make me, as I said, um, feel so great and optimistic about the future. So let me close out by asking you each uh, to talk either about your predictions for the future, what you see kind of happening in the restaurant industry in the future, or tell me about your future plans. Roz, do you want to go first? Sure. So I have spent a tremendous amount of time starting the back half of 2020 thinking about what I want to do with my business. Um, I said I wasn't going to do this, but I will tell you that um, I turned 65 in 2020. I'm not believing it. <laughs> I own 10 restaurants and I had planned to spend my 65th birthday on a great vacation kind of planning the next five years and what I was going to do as an exit strategy for my business. Uh -huh. um, you know, small restaurant owners, typical small business owner. Well, I've lost two years. And not only have I lost two years because of the pandemic, you know, 2020 to really uh, the end of Omicron at the end of the first quarter of 22, we were just in this constant churn of what's going to happen next. Things have calmed down a bit. But now I've got to really look at how long do I want to do this? The thing I know is that even though I have friends retiring, I'm not going to retire 
early. But I do know that I, I, it's the responsible thing to do to think about what I want to achieve between now and when I even maybe take a, a step back and I'm not working six days a week. A part of my career is not just working for some of the largest corporations in the country and then being an entrepreneur that franchises five brands. But I've also been very involved in the National Restaurant Association. I'm on several boards. And that allows me to round out my impact the way I want to have it. I always want to give back to my community and I always want to give back to my industry. So whatever I do over the next few years, my prediction is that I will continue to do those things. But look for new ways to be a better mentor. Look for new ways to to create more opportunity. Uh, I have friends that I spend time with on a fairly regular basis, and I always ask the question, have we done enough? Have we impacted enough? We can work anywhere in any industry. My prediction for the future for me is that I want to continue to evolve with what the industry needs. I want to continue to have an impact as positively as I can. I want to continue to be a mentor to create new leaders in our industry. And then eventually I want to spend more time on the beach than I do now. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like you want to do a little bit of following the advice or mindset of the current workforce of figuring out how to have that balance of really enjoying your work, but also really knowing that there are other things that you can do with your time that are fun and rewarding as well. I will tell you that I know for sure that every individual has to create their own definition of balance, that every individual has to decide how much they want to work and how much emotional and physical energy they want to give to that, right? and then what they want to do with that downtime. The worst offenders are those people that, in my mind, that are so obsessed with work that they forget about the personal life until, well, you know, when I get closer to retirement or when my kids have grown up, I work hard and I also really enjoy my time off. Uh, I, I took the time to go to the U.S. Open this year. I just spent some time. And what a year to do it. Absolutely. Terrific time to do it. But, you know, even though I am, I push hard, I also have always known that it's important for my mental and physical health to round that out in whatever I choose to be that balance. And I urge everybody to consider that. It doesn't have to be big trips. It can be just the time off doing something you enjoy. Great, great advice. Great advice. Keisha, what does the future look like for you? Very bright, might I? No. The future for me is I want to continue encouraging at-risk youth and and young adults to stay the course and rise above all stigmas, um, biases, perceptions, and any other negative labels placed on them by statistics. Um, I believe in providing this experience to those in need of a second chance, which is where hopes plays an extraordinary part in. And the hopes was just basically speaking my language. So I had to get involved. And I, I'm thinking that involving Rise Above the Ordinary program by including other industries. 
involving other industries to give participants an opportunity to soar in whatever their dreams are. Their dream may not be culinary. You know, um, I'm a chef. I can cook. But I, if an electric stove malfunctions, ain't nothing I can do about that. I cannot fix it. So how about let's get someone in here who's licensed and bonded, an electrician to help teach and train and get participants ready in that area who are actually interested and in that field and, and start applying them to to branch out and own their own, get them certified where they can't own their own business or their own company. Um, I don't want to turn anyone away from bettering themselves because my community lacks what's needed. I'm a solutionist. I'm asking questions. What needs to be done to solve this problem? What can I do to help? This is the challenge today. As Ross was speaking earlier, getting people jobs that are considered not employable, um, not able to pass background tests, child care issues, transportation issues. And, and now we have to deal with COVID. And But the flip side of dealing with COVID, it actually urged a creative way, not illegal, but a creative way um, and an alternative to obtain financial independence. And then this to help them continue to offer across every industry, abroad. Every industry is important. We don't, we, I don't want to just look at culinary. I want to help wherever is needed. I don't comb hair, but hey, let me find a beautician who can teach you and get you into school and show you the way to, to accomplish your goal. So that's what I want to continue to do. It's a great vision. I am so grateful that you have been bringing your skills and expertise to the restaurant industry. We are all better for it. So thank you, Chef Keisha, for that. Oh, Michelle, can I add in the uh, program, the mentorship that I'm working with and partnering with um, with Lawrence Hall and with the HOPES program is this year alone since May, we have 11 students who participated who is now walking away with their food service management license. With They established their own businesses, own, obtaining their EIN and their LLCs. They are now entrepreneurs. Oh, it's fantastic. Yes, 11. Yes. That is what Rise Above the Ordinary is providing for our youth, for our young adult, or anyone in need of help in accomplishing that. It's so great. And and again, I think the thing that we need to remember is for those 11 people and their families, just the difference in the feeling of belonging to their communities that is so important to all of us uh, is the world, right? That means the world. Absolutely. And it's wonderful. You too, I could keep talking all day long because you're so interesting and I feel so inspired uh, with every story that you tell. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. Uh, we may have to do another one of these because I want us to spend more time together. Thank you both so much. Absolutely. Thanks so much for listening to Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. Follow us on your favorite podcast player and find out more at restaurant.org slash podcasts. Episode produced by Dante32.